And I think, you know, when you hear that, you start to, you know, really weigh uh, all the things that you're, you really want to get done and, you know, can you get them done there in D.C. in, in the amount of time that you would like me to think you could versus, you know, being a chief executive officer for a city like Montgomery kind of coming into a, a second term, does this present uh, an opportunity to, you know, serve, you know, influence and impact more? Alrighty, welcome in, kids, to your favorite uh, political podcast. It is Alabama Politics This Week, brought to you by Wind Creek Entertainment. Uh, I am Josh Moon, and that is... David Person. Nice. I like it. We're back to the enunciation. I like it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, David, before we get uh, before we get into the into the show, we got uh, we need to and, and should tell our uh, our folks about uh, our friends at Wind Creek Entertainment and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know the great things that you know it's been it's been so cold the last two or three days. I hate it so much. Um, and but it, I was thinking, you know. If I didn't have anything to do, I would go to one of those uh, to one of the Wind Creek uh, facilities in this state and and just hang out uh, mm-hmm. because I mean it, they're you know they're the first class uh, locations that you know they offer the gaming they offer the restaurants they got the spas uh, you know that's a, a two robe spa situation they've got going on for you there uh, I mean it it is they are top of the line they operate uh, in Alabama they operate three facilities and we all know about. In, in Wetumpka, Atmore, and Montgomery. Uh, they also have um, a dozen gaming enterprises across North America uh, with and the Caribbean with triple A four diamond rated hotel spas and nightlife. That mm. uh, that's 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 as good as you get. I, I, you know, tri- with the triple A and the diamonds, and it's you know you don't you don't get any higher yeah, than that. And so that's a top and. End, uh, yeah. Yeah, and in Alabama, they uh, they employ the most people. They are number one employer in the hospitality industry in Alabama with 2,500 full-time staff, and they employ more than 6,000 people worldwide. Wow. Now, yeah. uh, um, you said uh, they've got a number of locations around the United States and the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have any? Uh, do they have any locations in Connecticut? You know what? I don't think they have any. Con- that, that, that is a different tribe that operates. That's in, a different in tribe. Yeah. Okay. Um, but now they do have one in Pennsylvania. Uh, so that, mm-hmm. I know that. Um, and uh, but I, I know that the, their their locations, I've seen uh, the brochures for the ones in the Caribbean. And, you know, and if we're, we're in and, the Caribbean. You know, I have to go and look. Uh, I have okay. to go back and, and pull it up. I, but I can pull it up for you real fast. Uh, it's, it's, it's no no big problem. Uh, we can we can find that. But it, it, they are. Man, I'm telling you, uh, when you look at these things, uh, they are something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really are. Um, I mean, they um, they have the, they have a, a, a location in Curacao uh, that I have. That's the one that I've looked at, uh, and I don't know why I settled on Curacao, other than that I know Andrew Jones is from there. That's the only that's the only reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, brave yeah. city builder. Um, so, um, he, uh, you know, that they, they look, uh, fantastic. Let me just tell you, I mean, the mm. locations, the, the amenities, the whole, the whole nine yards Go on and, and look those things up. Just, just Google up, uh, Wind Creek and Caribbean and, uh, and mm. look at the, at their locations around there. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I, um, 
I have, I have, I was at a casino in Connecticut. I know it's a different tribe, but uh, it was a phenomenal um, mm-hmm. layout, man. So I just, um, you know, I look forward to making my first visit. I've been, in fact, I was talking to a friend not long ago saying that uh, I want to make a run down to the one. I think the one you've been recommending highly is the one in Montgomery, right? That's the one uh, you've been with, recommending. With I like the one in Wetumpka. Uh, I, I like the one in Montgomery as well. I, I, we oh. we spent some time. In, it's a little smaller uh, than the okay. one in Wetumpka and uh, Atmore. Uh, but the one in Montgomery is very nice as well. It's got a BB King's in there, and it's a, it's a very nice uh, location and facility. And so it's a um, it it does uh, it does really really well. So um, all right. Let's uh, let's get into this real quick here, cause uh, we're we're got we've got a nice, a lovely interview with uh, Mayor Stephen Reed, and we know it's nice and lovely because we've already done it. Uh, you haven't heard it, but we've already heard it, and so we know it's great. Um, yeah, it really and, is good. Yeah. Uh, and so you'll you'll enjoy that. So we're going to be kind of quick on the front and quick on the back and long in the middle. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll do that. But what we would like to do first here as we kick this thing off is kind of go through our second congressional district um, and the race for that seat and how that thing has come together. Um, and so we will uh, look at some of the candidates uh, real quick to, to start off and the, the folks who we know are running, uh, the folks who we think are running, uh, and um, as you will hear later, the folks who we think are not running uh, in, for that seat. Um, and I guess let's, uh, let's start off with the folks who have already announced, and that is uh, uh, State Rep uh, Jeremy Gray, uh, State Reps Jeremy Gray and Napoleon Bracey have already announced. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who else is in? Uh, oh, uh, state Kirk senator Hatcher. Kirk Hatcher has yeah. he hasn't officially announced, but uh, he told me Sunday that uh, he is in the race. Um, yeah. So, um, and then um, uh, we we speculate that uh, state rep and minority leader Anthony Daniels is going to announce within the next week or so, and uh, Marika hey, Coleman. She's. Yeah, I thought I thought she'd actually gotten in. Coleman's gotten uh, she's, in. Right? She has not formally announced, but she has filed the paperwork. Uh, oh, that's right, that's right. She um, filed the paperwork. Yeah. yeah, and so and and was being all you know coy about it when someone mm-hmm. asked her. Uh, you know, with um, but um, you know, so now, now what's up yeah. with Hatcher being coy? Why why is he not formally announced if he's told you he's in? Uh, I think it was just they had a formal announcement uh, press conference scheduled. I think oh, that's all okay. it is. Oh, yeah, I, don't, okay. I don't think it's anything other than that. They had okay. uh, they had a date and time that they had picked out, but he wanted to go ahead and give some some media folk uh, a, a little heads up on what was going to go down, and uh, so he gave a couple of interviews to kind of lead up to that. So I guess maybe to build, you know, the the, the anticipation, or maybe to build the uh, hmm. attendance to the to the uh, actual announcement. I don't know. That's an interesting strategy. Now, so my understanding has always been that if if Mayor Stephen Reed, who we're, we're going to be talking to in the next segment, as you've already said, uh, if he indicated that he wasn't going to run, that that was going to open it up for all of these people to get in. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that they all assume he's not running. Um, yes, I I'll say this. I don't. Kirk Hatcher is a longtime family friend of mm-hmm. Stephen Reed's. Mm-hmm. I don't think Kirk Hatcher has ever made a political decision 
in which he has um, a major one, not not mm-hmm. some minor thing. Every you know, some something to say and all that. But uh, he's never made a a major political decision such as this mm-hmm. without consulting uh, Stephen and or Joe Reed uh, okay. about what's going on. Now I'm not saying he's you know would would do a hundred a thousand percent anything they said, right? Uh, but I believe that if he knew Stephen Reed. Uh, was planning to run, he would not be in this race. Okay. I think, uh, matter of fact, I, I know that Kirk Hatcher was quite content to remain in the state Senate uh, in the role that he is in. Um, and I mean, he can he can stay there. It, you know, state law allows him to, to maintain his, his position. So he's going to stay in the state Senate, mm-hmm. uh, but he's going to run for this spot. And um, I, I think I think he is perfectly happy where he is and would choose to stay there. And certainly would not run against his friend. And, um, and so that is a good indication to me that Stephen Reed has told him that he does not plan to run. So then, uh, <laughs> however, uh, we will hear later <laughs> that uh, there may, you know, may or may not be running, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I, I just, you know, the whole, the whole, <laughs> The whole delicate dance that's being done right yeah, now right. by by uh, Mayor Reed uh, and others, I just think is really fascinating, and I wonder what the what the yeah, real you know, well, I, you know, for the is. others, I understand better. I don't, uh, you know, and maybe I guess I, I can see from everybody's angle. I guess if I th- if I sit and think about it for a second, you know, from Reed's angle, he's trying to decide whether or not he wants to do this, you know, and, and whether whether he should or whether he shouldn't. It's an opportunity to move up a little bit, I guess, and, and onto the national stage. Although you go from being the mayor to being one of four hundred thirty-five, you know, uh, representatives, and so maybe you know, in, in terms of uh, stature or whatever you, you you think of it as a little bit less less than, um, but for everybody else, uh, you, you're looking at at Reed, who's the mayor of the largest city in this district, and the 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 city that will by far play the biggest role in the outcome of this race. And so you're you're thinking if he gets in, that's going to suck away a bunch of dollars that may mm-hmm. go to my campaign, especially if you're Kirk Hatcher or some of these other local folks that are that are in Montgomery. And so you don't want to uh, announce, and then he get in, and you just have to pull everything back out and, and go home. Um, right. And so, you know, and then for some others, I think like uh, Anthony Daniels, for example, I think maybe he would have not gotten in uh, had announcements come sooner. But as it it were, nobody ever said anything. And so he's like, you know what, I'm running and he's done the work and now he's just in. Uh, And I think that there's nothing now that's going to deter Daniels from running. Even though he has not announced and we don't know when he's going to announce. Right. Right. And even though when I brought this up to him two months ago, he laughed at me and told me I was insane for suggesting such foolishness. Uh, so, uh, but you know, I, I, for one, you know how we feel about, about Anthony and, um, uh, you know, I, I think he, he'll make a fantastic, uh, you know, representative for this state and, uh, and can do great things. I would hate to see him leave the legislature and know, cause I know what he's done for so many people. I know that, yeah. you know, that the democratic party is in shambles and, you know, and that people struggle and all that, but yeah, get, pull people aside and ask them what, what Daniels has done for them and, and aiding these campaigns that we do have. And they'll tell you a story that you wouldn't believe for most mm-hmm. of them. 
um, and the work that he's put in to raise money and help help people out. So he'll he'll be a great candidate uh, down mm-hmm. there. And I, you know, there's a whole lot. There'll be a whole lot of talk of residency and and those sorts of things. And you know, rightfully so. These people are trying to win the, the this seat, and so they're gonna you know they're gonna pull everything they can to try to win it. Um, and, and that's fair game to say, you know, look, you don't even live in this district. How could you know what's best? And, you know, and, uh, but uh-huh. I think that he's from that area, uh, had lived there you know, most of his life and before moving up to Huntsville about eight, eight or nine years ago. And, um, I and think, made, that, you know. Yeah. And I was going to say, and he's maintained contact with the area from what I understand. He's yeah. been very active and, uh, I think he's got a STEM program down there, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, I see the big loss, as I think you do, is going to be to uh, the legislature and also uh, to to some degree to the uh, Alabama Democratic Party, um, because um, if if Anthony were to run for this seat and win, uh, then um, I don't know how much of his time and resources he will be able to devote to helping to build up the party yeah. and to maintain its integrity, which he's, I know he's put a lot of time and effort into doing yeah. uh, while here on the ground. So I just wonder well, about that. You know, uh, I, I've talked to him a little bit about mm-hmm. some of this and, you know, he seems to believe, uh, and I say it seems to believe as though I know better than he does. Uh, I, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm just telling you what he believes is that it, it will allow him more time, more a little more freedom hmm. um, uh, because he won't have to do certain things. He won't have certain commitments uh, that that were uh, that he were, was held to in you know the state legislature and uh, that it will allow him a bit more freedom to do some things. Uh, you know, and he won't be necessarily beholden to uh, helping folks run for office. That's going to fall to somebody else and somebody else is going to have to step up and take on that role of, of but, you know, helping them. But see, that's a, that's a part of that's the other part of the, the problem I was going to bring up. Who is that person? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Anthony, in my opinion, Anthony has done a great job of distinguishing himself mm-hmm. as a as a party leader. Mm-hmm. So my question is, who is that person that steps up? Who is that person that will be able to do what he's done? Uh, and and I'm thinking right now about current elected, you know, people that are currently holding office. I'm not sure yeah. who that is. I'm not either. Um, but you know, I think that there are, we've, we've talked to a lot of people on, on this podcast, a lot of uh, state reps and, and, uh, senator, state senators. And, um, and we know that there are some very smart and capable people, yes. uh, there within the party and some younger folks and some very business minded people. And I think that it's going to have to, um, there's some people who are going to have to grow up a little bit. You know, and because I think that there, what what Anthony has allowed over the last few years is for himself to be kind of the uh, the adult within the legislature, and to go and to make you know to make deals and to um, you know broker deals. And he's been very smart about the way he's done it. He's been able to do this and and kind of gain bipartisan support for stuff while also maintaining. 
uh, his democratic credentials, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and not ever jeopardizing his beliefs and, uh, and, and doing things that would undermine the party and what it tries to do. Um, and I think somebody else is going to have to step into that role and be very smart about that and also go over and have conversations with people who they don't necessarily agree with to make deals and to make things happen. Because what Anthony has done in, in a matter of these years that he's been there, is he's gone over, first of all, he's a business owner. And so he understands a lot of the in, uh, the intricate details that go into running a business and the taxes oh. and the things. And so he, he does that and he tra- he carries that with him into, into office. And he is able to talk to folks on that level in a lot of cases. And so it makes him very attractive to the BCA, uh, to a lot of the, those big donor folks who are members of the BCA, because you can be a friend of the BCA and not necessarily be friends with the regions, banks, the, you know, the power south, the Alabama powers the, and those folks. But Anthony has, which is also going to pose a pretty big problem for these folks when he enters this race for uh, for this second congressional district, because they start tossing that money behind him. And it really, really uh, eats away at that, hey, you don't live here thing when he can say, oh, yeah, well, here are my 75,000 TV ads to tell you what all I've done, Um, you know. And so I I just think that to answer your question, somebody's going to have to do it. You know, he couldn't do it forever. Somebody is going to have to to take those reins. And I, you know, and and I, I would not doubt for a second that that Anthony would coach somebody on, you know, kind of how to do it and, and bring them along. Well, I think that's true. I'm sure he, and, and actually, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and I, it, it, not only will I agree with you that he will help to groom someone, I think he probably already has somebody in mind mm-hmm. because he tends oh, to I think, at least from what I know of him, he tends to think, several steps ahead. So he's probably got somebody in mind. So, so I don't know, I guess I'll just wait and see, but I know, I know what I've seen him do and how I've seen him, uh, execute. And, um, and it's, you know, uh, I haven't, I haven't always agreed with Anthony, but I've always respected him. Yeah. And I've always thought that he was, um, you know, you know, he was, uh, a, a calculated, savvy young man mm-hmm. and i think that he has been a tremendous asset to the party yeah and i and i guess that's what i don't want to see lost because i think that 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 combination of sort of youthful vibrancy with with savvy beyond his years and with a, a really analytical mind for politics and for organization it, it it you know you don't see all that stuff in one package yeah. You know, routinely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, you don't. You don't. Yeah. It's going to be he's a he's a unique individual. He really is. Uh, he he studies these things. Uh, he studies politics. He tries his best to to make the smart decision all the time. Uh, he sees several steps ahead a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that makes him really, really important. And and you're right. It doesn't come easy. Uh, it doesn't come easy to a lot of people to to see, you know, to basically be playing chess when other people are playing checkers. Okay. Um, 
you know, and so th- there's going to be a loss there. But, you know, at some point he was going to get out anyway. He was already That's burned true. out. That's you know, we've, all, we've talked to him about this before, and, mm-hmm. and he was, you know, wearing thin, you know, banging his head against the wall uh, in the party as it was. Um, and, and you know, he had his frustration. And then when I say the party, I don't necessarily mean just the state party. I mean the national party as well. Uh, but I'll say this, for this race, um, I think that, Without Stephen Reed in that race, despite the fact that he doesn't live there, I would give Anthony an edge and say that he's the favorite going in whenever he announces, assuming he does, that he is the favorite. And I would assume, I would guess that there would be a runoff to decide this thing between he and and, uh, and Kirkpatrick. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good prognostication. I think he, just by virtue of his visibility and also his local connections, I think he'd be the... He'd be the favorite going in, yeah. Based and on, on what on, we've seen so far, and on the other side, uh, I'd say that there, uh, from the names that I've heard, there is one Republican uh, name that is seriously considering it that I think would have any sort of a shot, and that would be Dick Brubaker. Um, you mm. know, I I think that he would he would carry a lot of votes uh, from around, but I I don't think he can win. I don't, I don't, I don't think that a Republican can win this race the way that district is set up now. Uh, I think he can come close. He can, he can make it a race. He can be competitive, but I, I think that, um, you know, that, that to, to attract the people that he needs to attract in the suburbs around Montgomery, uh, to, to make up any sort of the, uh, you know, uh, difference that he's definitely going to lose in, in Montgomery and Mobile. Um, he, he just, he, he can't do it. He can't do that. I think he's got to go too far right to, to, you know, and has been too far right, even though I, I think Dick's a reasonable person uh, for the most part. And we've had him on and it was a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, I just I just don't think he can win it. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's slide out of here. Uh, we'll come back. We'll uh, talk with uh, Mayor Stephen Reed. You'll enjoy it as much as we did when we did it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's uh, Alabama Politics This Week, brought to you by Wind Creek Entertainment. We're back in a minute. Hey, uh, if y'all would do us a favor and uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. Uh, you never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms uh, as well. I forget that Dave is an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Just don't, don't, that. don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Boo, David Person. And we are happy now, uh, as we always are. He's been nice enough to to join us a few times, and it's uh, it's always great to have him on. The Mayor of Montgomery, Stephen Reed. Mayor, welcome in. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Always good to be back on with you. And, you know, I, I guess we should add to your title now. Uh, because you're not just a mayor now, I, you're you're uh, an author. Uh, you got you got a nice book out. I'm and I'm assuming it's a it's a best selling book at this point, right? Hey, from your lips to God's ears, it will be so. <laughs> uh, 
we got we got we got some we got some ground to make up, but we're we're in a pretty good spot. I, I won't yeah. I won't be ungrateful. So yeah, a lot, yeah, lot, I, lot better than, than I would have thought. Yeah, well, listen, you know, as as somebody who has uh, who has kicked around, you know, as as every journalist has uh, kicked around the idea of writing a book and and actually, you know, giving it a shot, it's no easy task. So right. simply no. putting it out there. Uh, and and getting getting something uh, published, man, is uh, is something else. It really is. So yep. you know, just congratulations and uh, first on just writing the book. And second, you know, I've read a portion of it. Uh, it is. Um, well, you probably read every- more than, than, than my brother and sister. So I'm glad you brought <laughs> read a portion. Of it. <laughs> uh, that's gonna that's gonna be a tough Thanksgiving. That's gonna be a tough Thanksgiving. <laughs> they don't read that book, man. That's gonna be hard. Uh, <laughs> the book, the name of the book is First Best Lessons in Leadership and Legacy from Today's Civil Rights Move Civil Rights Movement. Um, tell us how it kind of came about and and what the book is. You know, guys, I would have never thought anybody would, would want to, you know, hear my story. And so I was approached by it uh, shortly after, um, you know, winning the election in 2019. And even then, you know, I, I wasn't really sure how far I would get. And right, you know, after those you know discussions started to happen, you know, we got hit with COVID. And mm-hmm. so everything just kind of stopped uh, at, at that time. And you know, probably on the on the you know back side of that of, of COVID, when we were starting to get back in, uh, we came back to the project, and essentially, what the publishers were really interested in was, you know, the story about uh, this guy who becomes the first black mayor of Montgomery, Alabama, in his two hundred year history. Uh, you know, what's your journey? How did you get there? Did you always know it? And you know, what led you to this place? And more importantly. You know, what can you share from, you know, the generation of your father and his peers to the next generation, uh, to your son's generation? And it really is as much of a memoir. It is a blueprint for the Gen Z's and millennials. I hope that, you know, past two um, influence don't always come through likes and clicks. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't always come, you know, with uh, smooth. Uh, pathways that come with curves and, and rocks and everything else that you have to kind of stay the course and you have to be committed to uh, really, you know, guiding principles, regardless of what your title is or where you are professionally uh, in life. It is one of those things that I think leaders of today, particularly young leaders, uh, can really take from that civil rights generation, as President Obama called them, the Moses generation, to those in our generation, which he labeled the Joshua generation, to their generation and what they're doing right now. So um, that's my hope is that ultimately what we started out with this book trying to to share is what people will take away from it. And it's been a great experience. I got to thank my co-author, Fagan Harris, who is a Rhodes Scholar, uh, much smarter than I am, uh, and, you know, is now the chief of staff to the governor of Maryland, uh, Wes Moore. And right. so I got to thank him for really uh, getting me on the couch and, and and being kind of a, you know, part-time therapist as well as part-time trainer <laughs> uh, to make sure we stayed on those timelines, but also to make sure that I wasn't just, you know, talking uh, and writing things, you know, the way I remember, but kind of to provoke me to write about uh, those things that, you know, would help kind of tie this story together for various generations of people. 
Yeah. You know, I, 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 when you're talking, I, I've heard, I've heard that your father is also writing a book. Uh, is that, is that true? Yeah, man, he's been writing a book for like last eight years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he keeps adding, he keeps adding chapters to it. I'm like, you know, there is a, such a thing as you know uh, a second book. You know, right. you can stop the book at one space here. And I said, you know, uh, everybody said, you know, the Bible is their favorite book. Not not very many have read it cover to cover. Right. So I said, if folks don't read the Bible cover to cover. Uh, I don't know how many people are going to read this, you know, uh, <laughs> monstrosity of a 700-page, you know, book. It's going to be kind of like, you know, even even the president's uh, Promised Land book, which I think was, what, about 800 pages or, right. or something. I mean, if you didn't get that thing on audio, you know, download an audio book, I mean, yeah. you weren't getting through it. At least, let, let me just speak for myself. And I yeah. love President Obama. I was not going to get through without the audio book. So let me just yeah. speak to myself. Yeah. That's a, I, I, listen, I, I've been looking forward to those chapters on, uh, on his battles with Emory Fulmer for a long time. I've, I've just, uh, I want to, I want to read that and, uh, and get the background on, on a lot of that stuff. I've read a lot of history about it, but I've, I'd like to hear his, uh, his version of it and what that relationship was really like there towards the end of, uh, of Emory Fulmer's life. Uh, I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, l- listen, before, I, before I, uh, we get uh, let David uh, take over a, a little bit, uh, I wanted to ask one other thing um, because it's the thing that everybody wants to know about. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you mentioned being the mayor there, uh, and a lot of people assumed that if the Supreme Court uh, carried through with this second congressional district, that you were you were done for the the mayor's office in Montgomery. That does not seem to be the case, uh, or I don't know. Maybe you've not made a final decision as of yet. I, you know, I knew when when I talked to uh, to Kirk Hatcher uh, the other night that uh, he seemed to think that you had. Uh, but so, where do you stand, and and what what was that decision like? You know, I, I think anytime um, you do work, you want to be thought of uh, beyond you know, doing what, what you can do. And that really, for me, goes back to internships, right? When I got my first internship, I, I never wanted to be looked at, quote unquote, as an intern. I wanted the companies to look at me as, you know, somebody they wanted in their, in their, on their team, mm-hmm. you know, in their organization. And I think that's just kind of the mindset I've always had is to, if you do great work, then people will think of you, you know, in a larger role, whatever that may be, you know, corporate, entrepreneurship and, and now, you know, politics. I remember getting, you know, some of those questions when I was a uh, probate judge as well. You know, I think for uh, this position, it's, it's hard for a mayor to um, be recognized because the work is, is kind of grinding. But I think that we've done some great things in, in a short amount of time, in particular with, you know, the aforementioned, you know, pandemic that, People have seen a leadership and people have seen a level of support that imagines a, a larger role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I think about, you know, what have we done? We've done some good things, yes. Um, but, you know, what else do we want to do? What else did we say we wanted to do? And mm-hmm. how many of those things have we accomplished? And so, uh, you know, as I see it, there's a lot that we have yet to accomplish here for the city. Uh, that I really want to do. And that's kind of been uh, weighing from the you know professional side. The personal side is certainly 
you know, uh, family and the, the sacrifice uh, that you have to make and, and having friends in Congress now and having uh, family friends who were uh, and still are some in Congress. Uh, I've, I've had a, a great, great opportunity to get unfiltered, um, you know, advice and, and feedback from both members and longtime staffers. And I think, you know, when you hear that, you start to, you know, really weigh um, all the things that you're, you really want to get done and, you know, can you get them done there in, in D.C. And, and the amount of time that you would like me to think you could versus, you know, being a chief executive officer for a city like Montgomery kind of coming into a, a second term, does this present uh, an opportunity to, you know, serve, you know, influence and impact more? And that's kind of, you know, uh, how we've looked at it. And I say we, my family's been involved in, in a decision uh, as well as, you know, my um, whole circle of friends. And it, that has been something that has um, been invaluable in, in the decision-making process. So, you know, with, with all that, you know, my goal, Josh, and, and, and is to make sure that we are, you know, making an impact and what position, you know, can I best make that impact, not only on the city, but the region. Um, and ultimately, that's how I'll, you know, finalize that decision. And we'll have a statement coming uh, very soon on that and what that decision is. Okay, so from your answer, I could make an assumption, but I'm going to try to see if I can get you to say it very uh, directly. Um, are you saying that you're not running? I'm saying that we'll have a statement uh, that will address whether we're running or not very soon. Okay, well, I guess that's my answer for now then. <laughs> All right, well, let me, let me ask you this. Um, let's, let's, let's take you out of the equation for a minute. You know, mm -hmm. we're hearing other names. Uh, we know at least um, we know at least uh, one person is uh, in the race. Uh, we know uh, Marika Coleman is talking about perhaps getting in the race. Uh, Anthony Daniels, who's uh, our buddy up here, is is yeah. perhaps talking about getting in the race. Uh, Napoleon uh, Napoleon Bracy announced yesterday. That's too. right, Napoleon Bracy okay. announced. That's right, he's another one. I mean, assess the field for us. What it, taking yourself out of this for a second? Uh, how strong a field do you think that is for uh, the Democratic Party? And do you think that with the names we're hearing so far, again excluding yours, mm -hmm. for now apparently until tomorrow, uh, <laughs> do you does it seem like a strong field to you? Yes, I think it is, and, and I want to say I, I know all of them. All the elected officials, uh, you know, that you just mentioned very well, have a lot of respect for them. Uh, I think they all do, you know, great work uh, in their districts. And, you know, I think it shows here uh, in Alabama that we've got some capable uh, Democrats and we've got some capable leaders. Uh, one of the things I get, if I can just do a quick sidebar and I'll come right back to it, okay. I get a chance to address a lot of uh, progressive organizations and leaders. Uh, not only those that come to Montgomery to uh, visit the Civil Rights Trail and take part in some of the workshops here, um, but also around the country. And one of the things that I share with them is that, you know, you can't expect a uh, flower to bloom if you don't give it water. 
And one of the things that, you know, we have, I believe, in Alabama is talent. Uh, what we don't have is a lot of water, a.k.a. cash. And one of the things that I've shared is that if you want to see another Georgia, then you've got to invest. Uh, you've got to invest for the long haul in uh, leadership, in folks who are in that state house, uh, in that supermajority. You've got to invest in mayors uh, and other local officials. Because that's how you get to a Stacey Abrams, a Raphael Warnock, John Ossoff, and go down the list. Uh, it didn't start off sexy. Uh, I, I know uh, both uh, Senator Warnock as, as well as Stacey Abrams don't have met and, and uh, Senator Ossoff, but don't know him as well as I know them. It didn't start off, you know, sexy. It started off with some dysfunction. Mm. It started off with, you know, some... Uh, disagreements, if you will, Josh, much like, you know, you talked about the Democratic Party and <laughs> other organizations, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it started yeah. off with that. And um, look, I, I have fond respect for Nakima Williams, who's the Georgia Democratic Party chair, who's from Smith Station, Alabama. So, you know, we talk about that as well. She's now in Congress. And so we talk about that uh, also. You know, there's been talent, but, but you have to continue to, to water it. And I think for us, it speaks to the, the bench that the Democratic Party has. We just have to uh, get some water to build the infrastructure. And look, you know, the old guard party system uh, is in trouble everywhere. I mean, I, I know great friends in South Florida politics, both on the finance side and on the elected side. Tremendous challenges. And they just had a Democratic nominee who everyone thought and uh, you know, could go on to higher office just in 2018 when Ron DeSantis first won uh, and, and, and uh, Mayor Andrew Gillum. And the, the party is challenged. So we see party challenges across the country now. And I think it's as much because of how the Citizens United uh, ruling came down, that form that kind of took away the gatekeeper's uh, role, if you will, uh, and how money now funnels into races that just, you know, transformed everything. And so to get back, to your question, I think that the field is strong. I think that the field is uh, very capable. Uh, the only challenge, you know, is that a couple of those names you mentioned don't live in the district. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think that's, that's just something that, you know, they, they have to wrestle with. I, I know what is legal. You know, uh, you know it's, current, it's, it's, it's legal for a felon to run for Congress. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many felons have been elected now. We got one who's running for president. We'll see how that works out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, everything that's, that's legal is not practical. Right. And right. I, I, I think that, you know, we have to look at things, uh, in that regard. And, and Josh mentioned, you know, Senator Hatcher, uh, certainly I, I, I know Senator Hatcher from many, many, many moons ago. Um, and, you know, appreciate the fact that he brought his talent back to Montgomery, like I did, uh, as a former, uh, educated, he would say he's not former. He's he's always teaching. So, mm -hmm. but you know, as someone who was a former classroom teacher, how about that? Um, and someone who has gotten in, in in the public space. But no, I think that you know all the names you mentioned are are strong. That they're all capable leaders. That they're doing you know good work in their respective districts and communities. And um, I think again, it, it points to what we do have, uh, and certainly. You know, if, if you may have some folks in the private sector get in, you don't know who's going to, you know, get in when, when it's all said and done. But, you know, for my standpoint, it, it, my 
focus kind of looks more to those that are currently residing and, and representing the the, the uh, area that is within this congressional district right now. Mm-hmm. And I see also that uh, Representative Jeremy Gray from Opelika has announced that he's going to uh, jump into the race as well. His, uh, I think I think another uh, yeah. another good good leader that I have a lot of mm-hmm. respect uh, for for Representative Gray. And now again, that that adds somebody else that that's uh, I think he's out of Russell County, isn't he? Can't yeah, remember he's, where he's, he's one county uh, north of uh, the district. Yeah, mm-hmm. according oh. to this news story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, yeah. that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, again, respect. You know what. He has done um, and have gotten to know him a little bit. And uh, I mean, he is, he's talented. So, I mean, there's, there's talent there in this, uh, in this field. And I think there's talent in the Democratic elected leadership. Um, Like I said, I think we just need um, help uh, financially. And, and I, and I would hope even despite, you know, uh, party dysfunction, it's kind of like the church. You know, I don't think you give up on on the on, on the church. Uh, usually, there's something really heinous going on mm. uh, because of you know some of the, the disagreements and things that happen. Every time you have people in the organization, you're going to have that. I think what has happened is you know Democrats have kind of given up, and we have stopped. We've not been able to convert because we've been so focused in the circular firing squad, uh, you know, for a number of years that we got to get out of that and to focus on why. We believe our ideas are better uh, mm. for Alabamians and why they uh, should, you know, think about the issues that really impact them, whether that's public education, whether that's uh, Medicaid expansion, um, uh, whether that's economic inequality, those things that, you know, really, really uh, make a difference and not just kind of what you see on social media, what you hear on, you know, certain news sites. Right. So let me just ask you a couple of other questions. Uh, One is um, to be uh, to win this this congressional district and to maintain it. Do you think we're looking at um, a kind of candidate and then congressperson who's going to lean more towards the progressive wing of the Democratic Party or will they have to be more moderate? That's a great question. Uh, you know, first thing, I'm sure all, all the, the announced candidates are thinking about, as what I is, you know, you got to get out of the primary first, right? So right. you got to think about, you know, what are the issues in the, in the region and how do you, um, you know, what makes you the best person to advance that agenda? And then how do you plan to implement it? And I think in a district like the Congressional district has been drawn on. Uh, one has to uh, have some sense of not only how to work Washington, but how to work their district. And when I say work it, I mean how to make sure that you're addressing the issues of the district with what seems to be, you know, an inconsistent uh, approach to the House of Representatives uh, in the United States Congress. And so I don't think it, it it's one that leans too far left, it may on some issues. But I think, you know, just kind of looking at it and with my political lens on, um, you know, it's one that I think probably lends more towards the center. 
Um, and I think, you know, all of those candidates and those who uh, will end up, you know, formally filing and, and running will have to address that and make that appeal to uh, the voters. You know, one of the things that I shared with a member of my staff here was that I worked on the campaign uh, for the last mayor of Montgomery who ran for Congress. His name was Bobby Bright. Mm-hmm. I worked on that campaign and I was in more so the Wiregrass area. Wasn't in Montgomery. I was more so in, you know, south of Montgomery and in that Wiregrass area um, out in the field. And I said, you know, when you would go into, you know, the, those Troy, Brundage, you know, um, Dalton, obviously, and other communities, you know, it would be interesting kind of what they were talking about versus what we were talking about in Montgomery. And you're thinking, man, mm-hmm. that's only 40 miles different, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's nowhere to Troy, you know. Mm-hmm. Another 50 yeah. or so miles, I guess, to, to Dalton. But those but are just... some white people down there, man. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they vote. It's so messy. <laughs> they vote. But I'm just saying, that's a, that's a white people country down there, man. Yeah, you know, but, but you had to go and kind of feel, and listen, listen. You know, this is 2008 when yeah. President Obama was running, and um, I think uh, Mayor Bright was running against uh, Representative Jay Love at the time, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You know, barely eat that out. And then, to, to your point, David, you know, came right back in 2010, and Councilwoman Martha, uh, Martha Roby ran against him. He did a party change and uh, all that stuff, and, you know, wasn't able to sustain it because it was so close in terms of national what people were hearing and then locally you know what you needed to do on the ground in that kind of district now i don't know if this district is is quite uh, that conservative i I don't think that it is Uh, but it is still one that i I don't think any candidate can be too far left on most major issues Uh, again some sure but I, i i don't i don't expect the uh bernie sanders caucus uh, you know, to you know, have the, the, the prevailing voice in, in, in this congressional district. All right. And then my final question is about something you've referenced more than once in, in your conversation with us today, Mr. Mayor, and that is uh, you, you've talked uh, euphemistically about cash. You used the, uh, the uh, your reference was water. You know, we got to get more water. Uh, hey, I could have used the Wu Tang and said, you know, cream, cash was everything around me. <laughs> hey, that's true. You could have done that. You could have done that. And if you want to get that, you want to get that young vote, do that the next time. <laughs> yeah, hey, they some... don't know who Wu Tang is. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you're getting the young vote with Wu Tang. Yeah. I'm not going to get the young vote with that. Hey, David, you don't you're think fired so? as my political advisor. David, I just want you to know before you've been hired, you've been fired already. Uh, <laughs> as our youth coordinator. Uh, that, that is, if you think referencing Wu Tang uh, is going to help us, then we're we're dead. We're DOA. We're DOA. You know, uh, I'm I'm thinking about that Hulu series, and I figure they got a whole new generation of fans from that Hulu series. But maybe I'm wrong. Hey, that that Hulu series was for old head, old hip hop yeah. heads like us to feel young again. <laughs> that wasn't for my son and all of them. Okay. I try to educate them on this stuff now and they look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, we're going to listen to this stuff so we can just quit with all this uh, trap music and everything else you have. And I ain't got nothing against <laughs> trap music. That's fine. But uh-huh. let me introduce you to some true lyricists as hip hop turned 50 in 2023 this all year. Right. Uh, and they just looked at me, I mean, like I must have had, you know, two heads. 
Like, who is this? What is this banging? And what are they saying? I'm like, you got a nerve to ask me what is Nasir Jones saying? You got a nerve to ask me what, you know, Notorious B.I.G. Christopher Wallace is saying? And you listen to that? Oh, my goodness. You want... You want to talk about angry dad? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> challenge me, challenge me on my hip hop with my son. And listen, the, the the book the book is fine, but challenge me on my hip hop, and you will really see son and dad go at it uh, in a way that is as much old school, new school as anything. So. Yeah. But I digress. Go back to your question. I'm yeah, sorry. Point, I got on topic. But point well taken, though. Point well taken. So, um, you know, how do we? And I, I think that's a that's a that's a perennial problem for us in this state, um, and definitely surfaces during election cycles. How do we solve the cash problem? What 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 is missing? What what needs to happen that's not happening so that we can get more resources to Democratic candidates? I think one, you know, we, we you know, we've got to have um, a functioning party. Party doesn't have to be great again. I think the party structure has changed, and I'm not sharing anything with you and your audience. I've been shared with uh, party leadership for a number of years. Uh, this didn't just come, you know, I didn't just have an epiphany, uh, you know, a year or two ago. Um, I've shared this for a number of years, probably going back to 2012. Um, or somewhere along those lines when I was running, first running for elected office. But I think that the second thing is um, we have to share our message more, tell it more. I think, I think the GOP does a great job of keeping their um, business in-house. I've always said that. I think they mm-hmm. kind of keep their business and their disagreements in the house. Um, and they have factions no different than the Democratic Party, but they do a good job of keeping it in the house. First, I think we take we air too much of our dirty laundry uh, that just does not give people hope or does not give people the um, reason or the belief that they should invest right in the party. So let's get outside the party. So then you turn to candidates, whether it be a Mayor Randall Woodfin or Mayor Walt Maddox and, and, and others. Uh, I think that. Those guys, along with others at the state and local level, um, have to make the case why there is a pathway, right? Uh, where does that pathway start? It starts with year-round support of voter engagement. I didn't say uh, campaign voter engagement, right, every two years. No, year-round. You have to be out there and find a few people who are committed to the long haul and David and Josh, they may they may be outside of the party structure. They may say, "Hey, Stephen, I still don't agree with uh, a, a Dr. Randy Kelly, or I still don't agree with a Dr. Joe Reed." Mm-hmm. That's fine. But my point is, investing in some of these organizations that are doing the work that helped Doug Jones get elected, that have helped us uh, turn out voters in other races, identify you know swing districts in the state legislature. Uh, to help an Anthony Daniels and a Bobby Singleton uh, maybe break that supermajority. Do you get back to a majority or a super minority? Do you get back to majority? Maybe not, but identify a couple of races. And then let's see what happens before you just totally give up and you say, hey, you know, I'll throw my hands up. Nothing's ever going to change here. Because, you know, fair fight wasn't the Democratic Party. That was 
Stacey Abrams. That was Raphael Warnock and many, many others. Uh, what, what's the Georgia Project? Invest in those type of groups and then identify that county commission uh, district. Identify that mayor seat. Identify that school board seat. I mean, look at how important school boards have become. I mean, who would have thought that we'd be talking about banning books mm-hmm. in the last you know year or so? Mm-hmm. Those school board seats aren't just so trivial anymore. Right. And so I would I would say let's find the small wins and let's find those folks who are committed to uh, amplifying those small wins and those those flips uh, in these areas. And then I think you start not only to build the bench, but you start to build a confidence that you can win in some places and in some counties and in some cities where maybe, you know, people didn't think we could win. And once you start to kind of get a little bit of traction. Then you're able to take that traction, I think, and in in to build some momentum for much larger races. But you have to be committed, you know, guys, to the long haul. This is not going to happen, you know, every day. Again, I get reminded of that by folks who are on the ground in South Georgia, in Camilla, Georgia, uh, in Bibb mm-hmm. County, Georgia, you know, in Peach County, Georgia. You know, I, I'm reminded of that by friends of mine that are there in the state house and that were local government before that. You know, this thing didn't just happen. And even with Atlanta, keep this in mind, even with Atlanta being the behemoth that it is voting wise, you still had razor thin margins with the hundreds of millions of dollars Mm. that came into those United States Senate races. You still had that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what what I have shared again to Bruce both here in Montgomery and when I had the opportunity to speak on panels or what have you, is just put a tenth of that into some state organization. All right, put, I would encourage the state party still relevant uh, to the overall success, maybe not as powerful and as influential as they were 25, 30 years ago. That's on both sides, they are. You know, that's mm-hmm. on both sides. But put some money into those community leaders and those organizations that have proven to be able to do the work and to provide a return on that investment and I believe that we will start to see uh, politics change in the state of Alabama with the understanding that no one election is going to save us and no one election is going to doom us. It has to be a commitment to the mission that we're slowly but surely going to do that work. Because whether we like it or not, guys, um, the Republican Party in the last, well, I would say since 2010, certainly has kicked the Democrats and the progressive wing and the moderate wing and any other wing of the Democratic Party's tail at the state and local level. And they've eschewed the bench for celebrity races at our own expense. And that's from Ohio to Oklahoma, from Mississippi to the Carolinas. We have seen that happen. And my argument is to them, if you want to find the next Barack Obama, then you got to find the next state senator. You got to find that person. You want to find the next Stacey Abrams, then you got to find that next state legislator. You know, you want to find the next Mitch Landrieu, then you got to find that next mayor. You got to be able to do those things, the next lieutenant governor. You got to be able to do those things that are outside the limelight and then formulate that apparatus, some of which I think is in place right now, is working to really bring it to fruition. So we aren't just talking about, you know, a congressional race, but maybe we're talking about another Senate race. 
Yeah. You know, maybe we're talking about that moving forward. And I think that's the um, the message that we have to take forward to those who are considering investing and considering collaborating uh, with uh, moderates and, and progressives to look at it from that angle and to commit to the work that it's going to take in order to get it done. But I do think our policies are best. I do think our positions are best. I just think we need help sharing that and breaking through the wall of, of misinformation that's out there, misperception that's out there about why they are the best. Yeah, so we'll get you out here. I know you, you've you've stayed a little extra time, but I, I wanted real quick to kind of follow up on what you were saying there because I've had these conversations with a number of people. And uh, as a matter of fact, I've had them uh, with Anthony Daniels a couple of times uh, about, um, you know, because uh, one key part I think you mentioned was communications. Um, and that to me is one of the biggest issues that we have in this state overall is that there, and that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast, uh, was because there was no platform uh, for, for Democrats or for, hell, just normal people uh, that didn't, you know, believe that everybody had to think like them and, uh, you know, and, and act a certain way uh, and be beholden to a New York billionaire uh, to go on and, and give their side of issues, of very important issues, and to tell people, you know, that they weren't this caricature that has been portrayed by the right wing folks, uh, the, all the talk shows that are out there. Um, and, you know, to do that and then also to build from from the ground up. Um, but, you know, what what seems to be the biggest impediment to that is money, like you said. Um, and I do you think that there is a way to get that money outside of the state level? Because that seems to be I don't know if we can do it in the state right now because it's such a. Um, it, it's such it's such a benefit for all of these companies and all these donors uh, to to back Republicans, you know, because they're in charge. They control the the stuff, you know. There, I mean, you could do it in some of the bigger cities, like in Montgomery, Birmingham, and around. You know, I think that there are some things that could be controlled there. But overall, it seems like maybe you've got to change that national. Uh, idea that the national party, you know, that controls so many millions of dollars uh, that could flow into this state and really be a benefit to some, of, especially to some of the down ballot races that are there. Is there a way to alter that in some way to build that money, the, the reserves up? Yeah, let, let me mention something I said, and, and I um, have kind of said this, and Jamie. Uh, uh, was there, our, our DNC chair, I think, in the race against Lindsey Graham in South Carolina, I think, you know, brought in, I know over $80 million, I want to say it was close to $90 million in that, mm-hmm. in that Senate seat, and that Senate race, and, you know, did, didn't win. And one thing that I said, uh, again, with, and the president of Jamie Harrison was, you know, again, you take not even 10, you take 1% of that, mm-hmm. and you put in that South Carolina State Party, and then some affiliate organizations, right? Yeah. What what could you really do to change things from the state level on up, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, from Aspen to Napa to Boston to Chicago, I mean, I, I sometimes wonder if I'm, if I'm going to get invited back because <laughs> I, I, I don't, you know, think yeah. to probably, you know, what I, I, I should and in terms of just saying, Thank you for what you do, but it's like, no, here's what you should be doing, and here's where you're mistaken. You guys may be great at uh, whatever business or whatever technology that you may have started and sold it and making money. Fantastic. That don't make you great at, at political science and strategy. 
mm-hmm. and understanding, you know, how these things work. I think if that was the case, we'd have different outcomes across uh, this, this country. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's uh, an openness for that. I have been invited back to a couple of places. So I think <laughs> there are at least some who are willing to listen, if not yet commit. Um, and I think that we have to continue to make the argument that even in a primary such as this, you'll see good candidates that are run for congressional seat. Now, only one person can win, but it doesn't mean that the other candidates uh, aren't, you know, suitable for other office. Now, the question might be, well, you know, Steve, can they fund a statewide race? You know, could they fund a, you know, a race for constitutional office? Mm-hmm. That's where I think we have to make that argument uh, to the donor class, if you will, that, you know, you all have to get in and trust folks state by state in some of these communities to do the hard work to shift some seats and then come down, like I said, and let's focus on a few seats in the legislation. Let's focus on a few mayoral, council, county commission, judgeships, whatever it may be. Focus on a few, and then let's see what you get before you just say it can never happen. Because it can never happen as long as there are no resources. You've got, I mean, you've got to have that. And I don't care who you are, from former President Obama all the way on down, if you don't have resources, you don't have a shot. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. You've got to get your message out. And I think that it's probably more possible, uh, Josh, you know, outside in because, again, people have seen Georgia. Uh, and I think people are looking for the next Georgia in my uh, conversation that I've had. They're trying to find out where is that next state that just needs a little bit of investment. And I argue that it is Alabama. Uh, and, again, that's without uh, uh, in Atlanta carrying so much of the, the boat total of Metro Atlanta that it overwhelms the rest of the state. Because when you think about that, we, Birmingham doesn't make up that proportion of the Birmingham area does not make up that proportion of voters relative to the overall state voters. So you also have to make sure, Josh, you're going and talking to these folks um, about things that you and David have discussed before, like why their rural hospitals are closing. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to target them on those issues, why people are leaving these counties, coming to Montgomery, coming to Birmingham, coming to Huntsville, Mobile for health care. Why is that opportunity not there? And we have to be able to drill down on one or two issues to say, well, what are you doing and what are your representatives doing on this issue? Don't say you don't have the money. You build a billion-dollar prison. Mm-hmm. So you got the money, and you still are flush with cash. So why aren't we doing these other things? But it takes resources for those grassroots activists to make that argument, to make that pitch day in and day out. And I believe if we are able to establish consistent support from those that give to democratic causes, then we can, as long as we're not looking for the Hail Mary to save us, it's not going to be, you know, a, a pass with the buzzer running out to come save us. You got to put in the hard work, build the foundation, build the database, and then make sure that you are uh, empowering and employing those volunteers so that they're paid. It's a big, it's a big piece of this because I have to talk to some of our progressive friends. Don't just ask people to do it for the cause. It's no. easy to say that when, yeah. you know, when, when, when you don't have to worry about, you know, your light bill, you don't have to look at your credit card bill or your you know, next automatic draft come out. It's a whole lot different when that's paycheck to paycheck. 
Mm-hmm. And so don't just ask them to do it for the cause. Let's build in what it takes to run these operations and let's identify the areas in order to do them. And then let's gauge ourselves on possibility and probability about much larger wins and victories. But I think it's possible. And I think many of the candidates that you mentioned uh, today, uh, if not all of them are capable uh, ambassadors for that. There are others at the local and state level. There are others who are not elected at all that mm-hmm. are great and capable uh, to change the perspective. We just have to make sure that despite our disagreements, whether that be intra-party or whether that be intra-caucus or, you know, with over an election here or there, we don't allow it to just taint the entire mission uh, of what we're trying to do. And that is, I think, to bring better government to the people of our cities, counties, and state overall. All right, Hallison, I don't know that anybody could disagree with, with any of that. Um, and um, I, look, we appreciate you coming on. Yes. I know you're busy uh, and you've given us extra time. And, and so thank you for doing it and, and for it. spending time again. And look, we, we look forward to you. You've announced you're not running here with us. Uh, we look forward to having <laughs> you in the office. Wait, wait, for, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't get that breaking news alert right there. I didn't get that breaking news. Right I tried to catch you slipping. I tried to catch you slipping. My bad. I, I, I should have known better. Uh, all right. That is uh, Montgomery Mayor Stephen Reed. Mayor, thank you again. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I really want to encourage you and your audience to go out and uh, buy my book, First Best Lesson of Leadership from Today's Civil Rights Movement. Uh, it's not just a memoir. Again, it is a blueprint to the current, I don't want to say next generation, but the current younger generation, Gen Z and millennials, uh, that represent my daughter and son's uh, age group. That Wu Tang generation. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That Wu Tang generation. The Post Wu Tang generation. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, we want them to check it out. And, and, and listen, I, I'll make one uh, political promise that if they buy it, I'll sign it. So I don't make a whole nice. lot of political promises, but if you buy it, I'll sign the book. So we'll get it done. There may be some other little tidbits in there that you can take away with it. And uh, look, I want to come back on with you guys and talk. Uh, before the session, because I think Josh, uh, or Dave, one of y'all just mentioned, you know, there are some things that uh, I think we ought to share with our uh, residents of Alabama that they don't know in terms of laws that have been passed and how it impacts them. And in the area that uh, my GOP friends like to highlight a lot, which is public safety. So mm-hmm. I, I hope we can kind of drill down on that because I've, I've got some uh, revealing information that I think uh, not only impacts us here in Montgomery, but throughout our major cities uh, in the state of Alabama that we'll want to highlight here in the upcoming weeks prior to the next legislative session here in uh, Montgomery. Well, you know, yeah. all you got to do is call and uh, you, anytime and we're, we'll welcome you on and we'll, we'll talk it out. Yep. All right. I appreciate that, guys. Thanks right. so much for the invitation. Take so, care, thank Mayor. you. That is uh, as Mayor Stephen Reed. Man, he is uh, he's great. Uh, and yeah. seriously, y'all y'all go and buy the book. We'll 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 try to put a link up uh, when we post the podcast uh, to to where they can go and buy the book as well. And so uh, and uh, and and read it and, uh, and and take the lessons from it. All right, let's uh, let's slide out of here. We'll be back in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week. And I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening 
and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, Your support makes a difference and it means a lot. All righty, welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Uh, great interview with, uh, with Stephen Reed. Um, and um, I really appreciate him spending some time. Really appreciate our friends at Wind Creek Entertainment for sponsoring this bad boy and, yeah. you know, keeping us afloat and paying some bills and things, man. That's nice. It's nice. Amen. To have Amen. Uh, uh, so we, we really do appreciate them uh, stepping up and doing this. And hopefully we'll have uh, another couple of sponsors here in the in the next couple of weeks. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, listen, we're going to the, the last segment's going to be going to be a little shorter than usual. Uh, it's my apologies. My fault. I have a uh, I have a sick child and and uh, that just happened on the day that my wife happened to be out of town. And listen, mm. you know, I tell you people what's going on because why would I hide it? Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, and uh, I've got to run to the school and pick her up. And this is uh, this is life. This is real life. These We've are the things that happened. There. Yeah, this is the things that happened. So we're going to hit a uh, we're going to hit our right wing nut, talk about a couple of things with our right wing nut. And then we're going to get out of here. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, listen, listen, if you needed extra content, go back and re-listen to the Stephen Reed interview. Okay, Great interview. It was. It was indeed. Uh, our right wing nut is uh, Tommy Tuberville, um, who is honestly, at this point, we could have a uh, 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 just a standing right wing nut for, for Tuberville uh, every week and just put him in. But uh, this week, some of his fellow senators um, Republicans. took some shots. Republicans. Yeah. Well, this is Joni Ernst uh, from Iowa. It is really unfortunate that tonight these men and women have been denied their promotions, Ernst said. We have done the best we can to honor the request of a fellow senator that these nominations be brought to the floor and voted on individually. I really respect men of their word. I do not respect men who do not honor their word. We gave opportunity to nearly 60 of these uh, military promotion uh, folks uh, this evening, bringing the nominations individually to the floor. I anticipated a man of his word would honor his word. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, Dan Sullivan from Alaska was incensed at Tuberville. <laughs> I mean, was called what he was doing a national security suicide mission. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, after Tuberville objected to one, of, one individual, uh, Sullivan said, that last nominee, Fifth Fleet Commander. So you may have heard that there are two aircraft carrier strike groups in the Middle East. That's the naval officer who would be in charge of all of that. Right there. We could have put him in charge. Pretty important to have a Fifth Fleet Commander ready to go. We're bringing these up one by one. I thought this is what my colleague from Alabama said he was good to go with. Uh, Mm -hmm. Senator Lindsey Graham. Lindsey. Oh, he was rough on him. Oh, he was rough. Yeah. He took a few swings at him. Yeah. Pointed at Tuberville and told him that he was responsible for not promoting this lady as he held mm-hmm. up a picture of uh, of one of the folks that uh, that Tuberville objected to and mm-hmm. told Tuberville, uh, you know, if you have a, if you have a problem with the rule, that's the reason we have courts. If you think they've done something illegal, go to court. That's how you handle these things. Um, said, uh, let me say again, everybody in this body could find an issue with any administration they don't agree with. And what we're doing, what we're going to do is open up Pandora's box. Today, it's abortion policy. There's a reason this hasn't been done this way for a couple hundred years. No matter whether you believe it or not, Senator Toberville, this is doing great harm to our military. I don't say that lightly. I've been trying to work with you for nine months on this. So my question is, and I know you got to go, so uh, uh, this will be my only no, question. No, you're good. Uh, 
it's fine, you know, from our standpoint, it's fine that he's being he's been excoriated by his fellow Republicans in the Senate. Yeah. But what is the impact going to be on the voters in Alabama? I suspect that the voters in Alabama are going to be are going to take all of that and just say, you know what? Tommy's our guy. Tommy, Tommy is standing up for stuff we believe in. He's our guy. And we're going to put him back in office if we can. Well, I think that I think a couple of things depend on. that. Okay, Uh, one, are we talking about uh, what the effect of voters, Republican voters and in a Republican primary? Yes. All right. Or in a Republican primary, I don't know. I think you put up a retired military person uh, to run against Tommy Tuberville over there. All of a sudden, Tommy's got troubles, especially really? if that. Yeah, really? I, do. I do. I think a Republican. Yes. Now, if it were a Democrat, I don't think that that, that it, we, we, we change much. I think, uh, you know, the straight ticket voting and all that, that changes all that stuff. Uh, but but Republican primary votes, uh, I think. If you're 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 actually talking about uh, somebody that's going to come in both the same way on abortion rights and all the other stuff, you know, uh, and and somebody that's carrying the Republican flag, then I think Tommy's got some some pretty big trouble, especially if that person happens to also live in Alabama. (laughs) Well, I Um, say we'll see. I mean, we've seen a real decline among Republicans with. with respect for law enforcement in the military when it's uh, convenient. Yeah, you know, that's true. So, so I'm not I'm not necessarily sure that I have that that belief know, that man. they will that they'll be swayed by that alone. I, I think a uh, lot of lot of military in this state. Lot lots, of military, yeah. lots of military in this v- state. Very yeah. true. Very I true. I think he's I think he's got some real. If you put a viable candidate up there. Uh, you know, because Tuberville was just really—he—he's not a favored son. He's not somebody who's been around forever. He's not somebody that everyone loved. He just happened to be in the right spot at the right time when everybody hated Jeff Sessions. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think that if you put somebody else up there uh, with the no. credentials and 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 a good candidate and and the military backing, yeah, he's got. Now t- remember, he's got Jeff Sessions was a favored son. And the only reason, the only reason but, he's not a favorite son is because of Donald Trump. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But I think that star's faded a little bit as well. And he might, might fade a little more when these 91 convictions start turning, or 91 uh, indictments start turning into 91 convictions. So, okay. you know, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Listen, we're going to slide out of here. Uh, until next week, y'all be safe. Peace. Peace.